0: Hey, hey, PodNuxians. Welcome to Linux for the rest of us. Uh, my name is Geek. Uh, Really quick, this show is brought to you by all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, thanks to them, we do not have to worry about having ads inundate every show, every 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, so really quick, give a quick uh, thank you to uh, Jeff H. And uh, Red Dwarf D- 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 are the two newest people supporting this network. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, And somebody else supporting this network is uh, Bruce Patterson. How is everything going, Bruce?
1: Uh, Going pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Uh, It's it's definitely not going bad is what I'm going to say, but it's been two weeks, no, three weeks since we did a show, which just meant that, you know, stuff was busy.
1: Yeah, well... I'll give you a quick story here. So as you know, I am a fat man who does fat things. But, you know, when I joke about my age, it's usually, you know, it, lighthearted stuff. But when somebody actually confirms it, well, now it's just downright, downright sad. I was at Dunkin' Donuts the other day. And anyway, I, I order a large coffee, and it's usually about 200, uh, 270 And so I I look at it, and the receipt says, you know, 240 It's like, huh, I looked at it, maybe a sale. There it is on line one, senior discount.
0: Oh, that's not good.
1: <laughs> if that's not bad enough, uh, my colleague promised me pizza that afternoon, and they ended up bailing on me, so I went out and got my own pizza. Now, keep in mind, I ate the whole thing, but as I'm, as I'm finishing at one point, I'm eating and breathing at the same time I started snorting. It's like, wow, I'm also now a fat pig. <laughs>
0: Trust me, I understand, Bruce. Um, I had no choice uh, in about uh, a year and four months. I lost about 110 pounds total. Um, but inside, I'm still a 500-pound fella.
1: <laughs> well, you know, again, one of the things I've stopped doing is telling my doctor I'm going to lose weight. Because when I had my heart event a couple of years ago, I was at 209. And I said, oh, I'll be below 200 uh, uh, before you know it. I went in for a checkup last uh, week and now I'm at 248. dang,
0: yeah, and it and it happened so quietly.
1: I gotta tell you i I weigh just as much as the rock. I think I can take him.
0: Oh my goodness oh I, we had to change the subject, Bruce <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, I guess before we go too much further, uh, you want to hit up the listener mail?
0: Yeah, we definitely got a couple emails. Uh, is there one you want to go towards first?
1: Uh, well, actually, I'll tell you what, let me scroll to it. Uh, and first of all, I want to make a, a side comment. It, I love the fact that you are getting more feedback in these last couple of weeks than I've gotten during my entire time at DistroWatch. And I have to tell you, this is a big credit to the stuff that you do, Dora.
0: Well, I almost want to call you out for that because I can tell you, I know I've emailed you at least four or five times about DistroWatch Podcast.
1: Uh, yeah, but I don't want those because I, I like the feedback that you give me. And all the time that I've gotten, usually people, I think, are afraid to email me directly. So what they end up doing is they actually uh, go to the people who manage the site and that they find out through them. So.
0: Yeah, I understand that. And I do remember early in my podcasting endeavors, other people would tell me people were complaining about me. And I'm like, I don't know. and then people started to complain to me about other people. And I'm like, they, you know, they're right. Why don't these people complain directly? It's almost like, I don't want to say they're embarrassed, but I don't understand it. But um, I'll say this, most of the emails that we got were from people who've who've honestly emailed the network for like years.
1: Yeah, well, and also in one one respect. I had one person complaining about how I had a guest who was doing the show differently. And quite frankly, I love the fact that we had uh, this one gentleman step in for us one weekend. He did a knock job. I mean, it was so much to the point where I wanted to lay down the mic and just say the show is yours. But anyway, I digress. Uh, wanted to hit up the first one which was from uh, Paul who said uh hi I agree with you regarding other Linux podcasts as they repeat the same info so you listen to one but don't bother with the others it's easy to read OMG or FOSS as they do I've stopped listening to destination Linux bunch of kids this week in Linux and all the Jupiter broadcasting well Paul thanks a lot for the feedback and we'll try not to point
0: yeah um, I have no problem saying positive things about podcast. But to be fair to myself, I will say negative things about podcasting as well. Um, he says Destillation Lennox is a bunch of kids. I say it's even worse. That's you no know, to call them kids is a compliment. Um, they're completely ignorant is the way that I put it um, for I, for over a year. When I listened to them at least three times a show, they would say something with Uh, with like um, a sternness of being how right they are. But yet what they were saying, I happen to know was completely inaccurate. Um, They've misled so many listeners um, and they take ads and they beg for Patreons and they beg for people to give money to ship a guy overseas because, you know, there aren't people starving there aren't people who have a tough time with life so let's just throw our money away on this guy to come overseas because he doesn't want to pay for it himself um they're a very disingenuous podcast but i'll say jupiter broadcasting um after meeting them both in person i swore i would never support anything they ever do ever again i think they're too when people say what's wrong with lennox what's wrong with podcasting i point right at them there that's what's wrong um
1: oh, shots fired
0: ah well, you know, um, if, it's, if there's good stuff out there, I, am, I try to say it. Also, I'll say if a, another podcast doesn't even mention that they listen to other podcasts, that's a clear sign that they're not good at what they do. Um, you know, football players watch other football players. Boxers watch other boxers. They learn from each other. And a lot of podcast people out there believe that they're elitist and they don't need to listen to other podcasts. Um, and some of them you mentioned in your email there, Paul.
1: Well, you know, again, we'll lead the guiding torch and look can use us as examples. Um, next one up uh, from uh, John. and uh, Basically, he says, gentlemen, I wanted to take a moment to pass this along. The last four or five shows have been taught. Door, don't ever stop voicing your opinions or the state of Linux and open source. It's refreshing to hear you tell it like it is. Spit up. Well, thanks, John. The door, obviously, you've taken that to heart.
0: Well, he just got another dose. Um, well, and, and I will say, you know, one of my firm beliefs is, you know, there is no such thing as perfection, including Lennox. I mean, there's plenty of stuff in Lennox that they do really sharp, really right on, really spot on. And then there's plenty of things where you look at it and you have that like shoulder shrug. Like, what are they thinking kind of thing? Um, and that's the thing. of anything I say with any emotion is pure opinion based. And I hope that's what people realize and understand. It's just opinion. Now, when I say state something as a fact, I think it's something that pretty much everybody can agree with. Like, you know, Slackware, that's not for the new user. And if you're talking to two new users, you shouldn't even mention Slackware as far as I'm concerned.
1: Oh, no, not at all. Although, we won't discourage new users from try, but uh, if you want to jump into the deep, by all means.
0: Well, yeah, that's like the up-and-start boxer, you know, saying, who's that guy over there? Oh, his name's Mike Tyson. Is he any good? Mm, some say he is. You want to go against him?
1: <laughs> some say he is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right, and then uh, we'll wrap it up with the uh, last one from our friend D uh who mentions that too had his latest book reviewed in full circle number fifty developing games for the raspberry Pi. you know what i'm not shocked that there's a book that came up so uh it's just another uh item which we'll pile on to Clyde Legacy.
0: Yeah, but I almost want to say um you know we're not trying to be overtly insulting it just happens to sound like that. Uh, what the hell does he know about game design? What what what, what the hell does he know about making games? Um, from my knowledge about him, he has no experience in the actual arena of game development. So um, buyer beware. Oh, huh?
1: well, it's a good point.
0: Well, I guess I'll have to I mean, don't me wrong. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know he knows scripting. I know he knows. Workflows. I know he knows video editors. I know he knows open source. I know he knows a lot about hacking. I know he knows a lot about urban camping. Um, I'm not convinced he's ever actually like even like beat like Super Mario Brothers.
1: You know? uh I seem to recall something very long ago where he had had a discussion machine language and, and game. games. Th- this goes back a while. I, I think roughly years ago. I- I'll I'll tell you what. I rather and deal with anecdotal stuff let me actually find that i'll i'll come up with it in our next show
0: okay and it's and it could be one of those things maybe if i bought the book i would then better understand that yes he actually does have some experience with games um but as any long-time listener will know i don't read nothing um anything ever um and i don't ever do like interviews i mean i don't think on this network i've had My hand in wanting to do an interview in at least six to eight years, Um, I'm never inviting anybody on any show ever again to do any kind of interview ever, especially if somebody emails me and says, why don't you have this person on for interview? No, I'm not doing any extra legwork. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a nine to five worker. Uh, I do charity. I'm not sitting around inviting people onto shows. Uh, If they want to come on, they, they can come let me know.
1: Well, that also leads to a lot of other challenges, in that too, because well, you really, really need to do your work when you're doing something like, uh, I'm I'm the worst interviewer in the world, and I, I've worked a couple over the years. And, you know, if you don't do the homework, and it's necessary, it's ultimately necessary. The gold standard for interviews, as far as I'm concerned, ah, the man who's still doing interviews today, Dan Rather, he does his homework
0: yeah yes and that's the thing um i got i got enough work um period um i just can't do it um and it requires a certain amount of dare i say um social like comprehension and i'm like quite anti-social
1: so (laughs) well there maybe that's the reason why i suck at it (laughs)
0: Uh. i don't know um There is one more email that I sent over to you late. Uh, This one is from uh, Honky Magoo. If you don't know who Honky Magoo is, uh, download Linux Lugcast. Give it a listen. Uh, He's a really nice guy from the greater northeastern area. Um, His email goes, uh, RPM-based distros on ARM-based hardware. Hey, Dor, First off, it is nice to hear you're doing the show with another person again. It's also nice to hear Bruce a um a again. I uh, did enjoy when you guys did ramble on. I think you called it uh on the uh, distro watch podcast. This seems like it's going to be a lot like that. Um, so in, in episode two twenty seven, you made a comment that there weren't any RPM distros that run on ARM hardware. Uh, and if I misheard, I, I I apologize. I run CentOS on my Banana pie and by the looks of it, they also have a build for the Raspberry Pi uh, with a link to the CentOS download page. He also says there are ARM builds for for Fedora. Uh, OpenSUSE runs on many different types of ARM boards. Again, if I misheard, I apologize. I installed CentOS on my banana pie so I could learn how to use a Red Hat based distribution. I got it running, installed Docker, pulled down an image of Etherpad, and now it's basically a, uh, a appliance. I didn't fiddle with it too much because it just works. It is an important part of uh, the Linux Lugcast documentation system. Uh, it's how we do our show notes, which is good. But at the same time, because it is a server, uh, because it serves such a important purpose, I really can't do any learning with it. I guess I should install it on a, another single board computer if I really want to fiddle and learn. Uh, key, keep up the good work. And I like the direction that Linux for the rest of us is going. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Honky. And I do believe I probably said that with a pinch of seriousness and a pinch of sarcasm um, because if somebody says it's running CentOS and Fedora to me, that's kind of like saying you're running Debian and Debian, you know, it's kind of the same thing um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But it seems like nobody's really doing any active deployment when it comes to arm distributions, except for Debian based distributions. Um, but, there will be a link in the notes to a distro watch search that shows all the distributions that support ARM architecture. Now, the problem is just saying ARM architecture doesn't really mean anything because there's so many different types of ARM architecture. Um, but there's more than just that. There's more than just CentOS. There's more than just OpenSUSE. There's more than just Red Hat at type things. There is a couple other ones. And I will say this, uh, OpenSUSE, I believe, is the only true quote-unquote 64-bit distribution for a Pi right now, which is, you know, good for them.
1: Well, I have to uh, feign ignorance on a lot. I don't have to feign ignorance. I'm pretty ignorant of a lot of the uh, the Raspberry Pi aspect and the, the small single-board computer." I haven't really fiddled much. I have one actually on my desk right now at work, but uh, I haven't taken that step to plug it in and actually start working with it. I keep threatening one day I'm going to create an email server with it, but uh, seeing as we enter in the slower time of year at work, I might actually just do that.
0: Right. Well, I will say this. Um, The best thing about a Pi device of any kind especially ones that take SD cards, micro SD cards is it's very easy to quote unquote, back up an installation. You can install a micro SD card, get it how you want it configured, literally pull the card out after of course, turning it off, cloning the card, and then you can fiddle all day long. And then if you want to go back, you just simply put the old SD card back in. Um, that to me makes it unbelievably friendly to just playing and breaking it. Um, the other thing I'll say is, um, the other good thing about pies, okay. First off, there's tons of them. There's literally it's now insane. There's over like 200 different boards. Honky, if you need another board, just let me know. I'll be happy to ship you one. I got literally there. I'm I'm, I'm surrounded by them here. Um, but you know how with Linux, uh, you don't you really don't tell somebody install this distribution and then and then turn it into what you like. But really, it turns out let's find a distribution that meets close to what you need and so there's much less building you have to do with it and then you know that's your now distribution with pies if you have a target like you want an email server i can guarantee you this you can literally put the image on the card boot it up and in less than three minutes have a fully functioning email server without having to know how to email server
1: i think also somewhere around the area um if you do want to go Down the whole of of email servers uh, that Dan Wasco had actually sent me an email many years ago about how to properly set one up. So I can actually post that up at some point as well.
0: Very cool. There's no doubt. Here's the thing there's no doubt he knows exactly how to do it. But here's the best thing email is almost like saying IRC in the sense of it hasn't had to change in 20 years. You know, you receive an email. Yeah, send an email. Um, If you want encryption on top of it, I'm sure there's plugins and stuff you can put on top of it. But the basic thing called email really hasn't changed. I'll take that back. It really hasn't changed in like 40 years.
1: No, and I also think that for some, I mean, we laugh at some folks who still use Alpine and, you know, some of the uh, uh, more drip down versions of email clients. But you know what? When the day is done, they're the ones that will last laughing given the fact that really unlikely they're going to be opening an attachment with a virus anytime soon on those clients.
0: Yep. Somebody running Claws is 10 times safer than anybody else running nearly any other kind of client, whether it's Thunderbird, Evolution, Outlook, Gmail, or anything else. The likelihood of getting, you know, uh, infected from that kind of client is, you know, two little chances, um, and that is slim and none.
1: You know what? I think that actually is a challenge. Um, in the upcoming weeks, what I'd like to do is probably review a couple of uh, different email clients because to tell you the truth, I've always, always used. Well, actually, I've split it between Thunderbird, and Evolution, and each has its own drawback. You know, for the for the better, I've used Thunderbird for most of my uh, most of my life. I think at this point, now's a good time to jump off and try some newer newer clients just to see how they work and maybe we, you know some of our owners can get the benefit of you know some of the issues that I run into or maybe come across some things themselves so huh, how about that for an upcoming challenge
0: uh, I really do like it I will say I went for the longest time with just using slight tangent web-based solutions okay uh, about a year ago i finally said i'm going to go back to a actual fat client and thunderbird is my solution mainly because of the plugin architecture just like file, um uh firefox and chrome have plugins so does thunderbird and it really does meet my needs a lot but the two things i'll say is a listeners if you have your like, custom setup don't hesitate to share it with us um but i'll say this bruce there's another realm of clients that have spurred up okay I've seen them, I never ran one, but you can literally take like a Pi device, put an email server on it, but then you also put an email application on it that's essentially a web gateway, you know, kind of like uh, Squirrel or RoundCube, but it's much richer than that, is what I'm going to say, where it's a, it's technically a web GUI to your email, but it's a web GUI that you own, and I really did like the idea of that.
1: Huh, that actually is very, that's very progressive, that's is- that's interesting i like that
0: yeah and i am always up for disruption uh especially when it comes to email because um we you know just because the back end technology really is moving slower than a snail doesn't mean that the front end cannot be modernized and kept up cuz like right now in my thunderbird i have nine email addresses um connected to it which means i have huge huge amounts of data like my thunderbird uh folder on my home partition i want to say is around nine gigs
1: wow that's significant that, that's a lot
0: yeah and you know once in a while i really should just go back and then just delete everything before a certain date But then I always get, like, skittishly nervous.
1: Well, actually, interesting that you should say that because I don't know if you remember, there was a short-lived podcast many years ago, uh, John O'Bacon and Stuart Langridge, they did Shot of Jack, and there was actually a discussion uh, about emails. Do you keep everything? Or do you delete everything? And I've actually moved over towards more of the I delete everything now because uh, I can't stand to have over uh, 100 emails in my inbox because just if I haven't used them in a month or a year, I'm never going to look at them. So I've, I've started the great purge.
0: Yeah, see, to me, it's almost I do the opposite, which I hate to say this, but like when I'm sitting at my desk, of course, no one from work is listening. When I'm sitting at my desk and my phone rings, I literally just pick it up and hang it right back up. Because I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone because it's not recorded. I like the fact that my emails are a book of record to where I can say, You said this, and it's right there in clear text. Um, with email, I like to think of it as my official book of record. Uh the only stuff I e- the only stuff I delete are um, you know, obvious spam things, but there's like a certain clash. You know how there's spam. And then there's bacon. Uh to me there's like a third category. It's like scrapple and the scrapple stuff I just delete.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's it's when you're sitting to make those decisions on it too. So uh, luckily for me, some the easy emails are the ones that have s- stupid back and forth. Are you sure you want it green? It's like yeah, yes, just do it.
0: Yeah, and I have gotten complaints from people who say stop replying okay or Roger Roger no just stop replying you're just filling up my inbox i'm like well i want you to know that i acknowledge that yes and i'm going to do it or whatever we're like no i just take for granted that you're going to do it stop sending me emails
1: <laughs> all right well i think at this uh, i should take us back into the realm of where we're going uh, i'm sorry i, I really was out
0: <laughs> that's okay uh and we definitely have more than a couple links here is what i will say yeah um, the one i'm going to mention I hate this. Hey, it's a thing about Thunderbird. Um, I don't know if you ever messed with .txt. Uh that was a to-do manager basically created by Gina Tra Gina Trapani. Um I believe if I'm not mistaken, one of the original people behind Lifehacker and I believe she was actually uh involved with the early implementation of Boing Boing if I'm not mistaken as well. Um, she made a, to do task manager, very command line friendly, very extensible, but at the same token, very simple and plain. And there's a Thunderbird plugin, uh, that honestly, uh, you know, it's hard for me to like be accountable. Is what I'm going to say. Uh, but when I saw this plugin, I actually want to install it and I actually want to play with it. Uh, there was an article on ghacks.net that I will say I'm getting some, uh, okay web links from them uh even though their website is definitely
1: ad laden well when i first saw this uh story that you sent me my first gut reacts i want to freaking hate i i just i hate anything like sticky ease, any garbage stuff but i think one of the more organized part of me says this is "Actually." kind of important because the thing is is that you know it, without a, a to-do list somewhere uh you're going to let things fall through the cracks and let's face it you and i have been in the workforce for years which means that we have uh, a ton of responsibility in our day-to-day and you are going to miss things if you're trying to keep them in your head or you're trying to put them elsewhere you're you email almost all at some point in the day you're going to use it and if you have that and that list pop that's a great way to remind you of the things you need to get them
0: yeah i mean like at my job i have i literally went to like um walmart and i bought i want to say it's like a two by three foot whiteboard and i just hang it in my cube and i have to keep stuff written on that board or else yes it will just be evaporated from my mind completely um I wish there was a mobile version of Thunderbird. And I know you're not a mobile fan, Bruce, but uh, if there was a mobile version of of Thunderbird, then it would have me locked in habitually, I'm pretty
1: sure. Speaking of mobile devices, and not to get too far off of the pick, again, for another time, when um, the Librem phone, Pine phone, uh, I do know is starting to make it into the general now. I might actually look into because there are some things I mean, I, I, on principle, I don't like cell phones and I, I don't have one and I, I hope never to have one. But let's face it, the reality of it is that, you know, there, there are more conveniences tied to it. But again, keeping it short, when the Pine phone does make it to the public, I'll actually heavily weigh whether or not I want one. And if I can get one at a price, I'm on board and see where that goes.
0: Well, the Librem phone already came out. It like just got released, quote unquote. That thing is literally over $700. Um, I don't think they understand community. I don't think they understand ecosystems. I don't think they understand Linux. I don't think they understand how fandom works. Nobody's going to buy the damn thing. It's too much money. You might as well try to sell Porsches, but call them something else. You know what I mean? There's, you're, you're going to have so few sales. It's literally insane. The pine phone is literally going to be 125 bucks. That thing is going to be a literal hackers paradise. People are going to go crazy developing all kinds of things on that phone. And I have no problem with saying this out loud. It's going to be more popular than the raspberry Pi is now because it has a built-in screen. It has a power button, for God's sake. The Pi doesn't even have a power button. But this Pine phone, they're not going to ever be able to make enough of them, period. They will never be able to make enough of them because people will buy these things like two or three at a time and just hack the hell out of them where there will be so many projects out there. There'll be so many versions of operating systems out there and the such that anything you can imagine you want to do on a portable computing device you will be able to do on that pine phone. It might take three or six months for it to, you know, start to reach that development stage. But I can tell you this, it's going to be one of those genuinely fun things and you don't even have to use it as a phone, Bruce.
1: Well, that actually would be here. I'll tell you what, when, uh, when, um, comes, I'll actually heavily look into it. I'll tell you what, why don't we dove that into the plasma mobile team?
0: Yeah, and I will say there's a link there to uh, plasma mobile.org. I'm not a plasma guy. I have no problem saying out loud, I don't like KDE. Um, it, the old complaint was, ah, it's too heavy. Ah, it's too heavy. Ah, you know, um, or it's too Windows-like. Or you know, pick your complaint of the day. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everyone had a complaint about it, but I got to tell you, the last time I used KDE seriously. On what was called a solid run computer. It was literally a computer for literally, it was like an inch and a half by an inch and a half by an inch and a half, maybe two by two by two, but it was tiny. It was unbelievably tiny. And it and this thing ran KDE beautifully. I was shocked at how responsive and snappy it was. And when I look at Plasma Mobile, I there's one thing I'm convinced of. These guys understand efficiency. Uh, much more than i think a lot of other desktops do so i am really interested to see where this is going to go in you know six months a year three
1: years because
0: i think they're on to something and i think they have a good uh group of people
1: well from my understanding too, the uh, kde development team also uh, what was it there was an article that was in pharonix two weeks ago that actually compared kde versus xfce and you know not to sound clickbaitish but you won't believe what the ultimate result was kde fared far better in performance than uh xfce did and i that's a surprise to me because always having dealt with kde in the past i just remember for me it was always sluggish it had issues i i, I don't like the, out, the the layout of it it just it wasn't for me let's just put it that way but um, when uh, uh, I found out that they had done these benchmark tests and, uh, you know, it, it was significant over KDE, uh, FCE, uh, you're right. I think they're actually on to something over there.
0: Yeah, and I will say that's really not what the one thing that I hope that they and look, I'm not going to read the article. Let's just get to there. But the reason I can tell you now, I knew nothing, but the reason why KDE fared, quote unquote, better has nothing to do with it being actually better. It had to do with Pharonix running it against a computer with a genuine, dedicated, discrete graphics card that could do its own computing. And KDE is heavily optimized for compositing. And that's what um, KDE and GNOME are very heavily compositing desktop engines, where if you run it on a dedicated, like Intel graphics driver against xfce xfce would destroy it period but 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 because they're running it on something with a you know literally 800 hundred dollar graphics card kde is very attuned to taking advantage of that card with that stated all that means is that you know our graphic powers on our computers are getting so great and grand that you're able to run a compositing desktop engine and literally compete with more basic desktops, and that's good for all users. Well,
1: then why don't we move on to that next section? Uh, Intel Ice Lake Gen 11 graphics.
0: Oh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. Uh, I'll just, uh, this is the only way I can put it. I have had really, really, really good solid experiences with my Intel graphics drivers and my Linux ecosystem in my house. I've had almost no problems in my history of computing. It's because I always run Intel graphics and there is no issues to have. It's Intel graphics. If you want to play games, fine. There's the, and the price you're going to pay is your sanity <laughs> worrying. Oh, you will, because you got to always Fist fight about the drivers. Which driver are you going to run? You know, is it going to be the open source one or is it going to be the closed source one? Which version? This version. And then eventually stuff always breaks. It's literally like playing Russian roulette when you have these other people. But Intel graphics are becoming insanely better, quietly, very quietly, is what I'm going to say. And this Gen 11 graphics, this is still on the motherboard graphics. Okay. With that said, in the next under eight months, Intel will formally announce and release discrete dedicated graphics cards, which I then expect the user's experience on Linux to be, I don't want to say Windows like or Mac like, but very professional grade.
1: Well, I think if anything, good news for people like me, too. I mean, I don't do kind of gaming whatsoever. However, I do watch a lot of videos. And and with that, Like you said, it's nice not having to wrestle with any kind of graphics card point, especially if it's included right in the chip. I think we've got some good stuff coming our way.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't know if you're aware of Bruce, but there is a blending that's happening. Um, They used to call it uh, convergence back in the day, but there's a convergence happening between video and gaming, literally between those two things. Uh, I believe it's going to start here in about f- f- uh, two weeks. I don't know if you were aware of it.
1: No, actually, I wasn't.
0: Um, Google Stadia is going to release, I want to say their Founders Edition is what it's called on November 14th, which is just about two weeks away. Um, Microsoft is releasing its X Cloud in beta. You can download the app right now on some mobile devices, where it's cloud-based gaming, where you don't have to have, you know, a $2,000 computer to run these insane graphics. But Google has figured out, basically, um, they are the number two search engine in the world with YouTube, okay, period. The amount of traffic and data that goes through YouTube servers is insane. It's video. Google's figured out how to make streaming games To be uncommonly like streaming video, which means if you can receive at your house a 1080p video stream, you will be able to receive 1080p gaming streams and you will not be able to perceive the distance if somebody's watching your your screen if you're playing a game or watching a video. That's how good the graphics are going to look. Um. It's literally going to be one of those, like, game-breaking—oh, man, sorry for the pun—game-breaking things that are going to happen here in the short term with games in the future to where we're not going to need $2,000 computers.
1: Although, I'm curious about our infrastructure because as, you know, more and more people eventually get on to, um, you know— better isps that can do a lot more and bring a lot larger traffic i've often wondered i mean uh, in the town that i live in now it's only recently you know fios is what maybe e at this point in the town i'm in so i can't imagine what that's going to be like once we get to that kind of a state where you know there are a lot more gamers and there are people just trying to do their work from home so i've often wondered what will that do to internet traffic
0: well i mean i'll just put it like this everybody i know or i've ever heard of under the age of like 18 spends insane amounts of hours watching youtube video so the bandwidth that's being taken up really isn't going to change for them is what i'll say um when it comes to video games, you know, the amount of money that goes into, and here's what I hate about video games. The amount of money that goes into video games is nearly as much that goes into, let's just say, triple X rated content. Um, because of the money that people are lusting after, yeah, pun, uh, out of gaming these companies will then want to do more infrastructure based things because they want to be the premier gaming place because there are billions of dollars to be had and as long as you can stream a video to your house you will be able to stream the equivalent game you know quality screen down to your house with google says zero um differential it will appear exactly the same speed and everything so if you are already watching, you know, 40 hours of video in a month and you're not getting bandwidth cap things, you will be able to play 48 hours of gaming in your house and not go over your bandwidth cap and it will appear as seamless as your videos did. I, I don't know if I believe them when they say that, but I mean, they, you know, Google's killed a lot of things, but they haven't killed things that bring money into their
1: system. Well, as a person standing on the sidelines, I just marvel at the things that are out there now. And with the gaming stuff, I was shocked. One of my colleagues um, is a gamer himself, and of course, he's thirty years younger than I am as well. And last year, he goes, "Hey, do you mind if we put the world Games up on, uh, on the wall. We had a projector and we can stream shows when it slows down. <laughs> um, so I go, yeah, knock yourself out. I-, I had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, these are the world games, I guess, like World of Warcraft or whatever, um, where they were showing the international competition. And then he was showing me what it was like at Madison Square Garden, where it was full of people who came to watch the event. That is how big that is, and that is how far out of the loop I am.
0: Yeah, and I want to say uh, the NBA just announced a thing a couple months ago. Every team is going to have a equivalent esports team, um, because you know, money. They like money. I like money. You like money. We maybe we should hang out sometime. Um, and like I try to explain to my father, you know, he's seventy. I say, and he's like, well, how can you sit there and watch someone playing a game? To which I just stop and say, dad, stop. How can you just sit there and watch somebody playing baseball? Same thing. Exact same thing. You're watching somebody play a game in air quotes. They're watching somebody play a game. When I look at you watching a guy play baseball, I am not aware of his unique talents and abilities that you're able to pick up on same thing with those kids when they watch other people playing these electronic games they're able to pick up on the nuance that makes that player better than the other where you know I don't and the amount of money coming into these things is insane and and quite literally there's been now two athletes I heard that said they want to be in eSports because the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to ruin my thumbs instead of my brain or my back or my legs.
1: Well, then again, what was it? That 16 year old kid who won Fortnite got $3 million. And then I heard an interview. He actually works for a company that that's his job. He gets paid $30,000 an event that he goes to. Holy crap. I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I understand. Well, this is like the dream when, you know, we were kids, you know, And we heard about people getting paid to ride skateboards. What do you mean? They're getting getting paid to ride skateboards. Now kids are literally getting paid to play video games. And, you know, us parents are like, you know, why are you playing games? That will never be your job. You need to study and go to school and be an accountant.
1: Wow. Looks like that message can change now.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And I hate to say, um we you know this is the united states we have the richest poor people in the history of the world um at that same token anybody has the ability to make money with passion and obviously without sounding dumb these kids in air quotes playing these video games have really hard to measure passion and if someone else is willing to throw money at them while they do it great for him suck it up invest wisely make sure that you know when your thumbs give out on you you have something else to fall back on
1: well all right now that we're in the subject of money why don't we go to the next story which is uh Webiny and get royalty
0: i don't know if you read this bruce but i i was personally quite vexed about this one um basically this is like a oh man this is this to me was honestly hard to even into words i'm not a fan of people who go out of their way to monetize against against um ecosystems and and this is what this felt like to me
1: Uh, for for webony you know uh uh, wait no i'm sorry i'm jumping to the next uh story for git royalty uh you know again i don't i guess i'm trying to wrap my head around why this is a need for this
0: well okay this is the there is no right answer okay this is almost like the stock market bruce um the stock market is not driven by facts if it was driven by facts then anybody could just learn the facts and then become a billionaire it's based upon feelings you know what i mean sensitivities kind of thing um and what this organization get royalty is trying to do is what every company in the world is trying to do right now, which is to turn any business model into a subscription model. Okay. Um, here's a for instance, Bruce, my podcast player of choice is called podcast addict. I go out of my way every month to give him some money. Um, so hypothetically, let's say I like to install VLC, or I like to install Thunderbird, or I really do go out of my way to install Vivaldi on every computer I own. Well, why don't I also, at the same time, give these people money? So it's a subscription model to where I can say, as a developer, I'm going to develop this application. I'm going to allow it to be distributed by this paid subscription model of updates um, so I can allow people to support me while I'm vexed about this being a product. Um, I, I'll, part of me wants it to be really successful because I want developers to get what they deserve. I want them to get money when applicable. Um, I don't like GitHub at all. Um, Jonathan, Adu taught me years ago why GitHub was not a good Place to, to, to house your code. Now that it's owned by Microsoft, I like it even less, but I do like the idea of me optionally supporting a developer for constantly giving me enhancements, feature updates, upgrades, and of course, security type patching. So, um, uh, I am going to keep watching this one with a very interesting eye.
1: Well, I think this actually begs the larger question. Are we now on the cusp of where Linux may not be for much longer?
0: Well, I can definitely believe like a tear, a rip of in time and space could happen in the fabric of open source ecosystems in the face of linux i can i i honestly hate to say but i can see that we might get a quote-unquote paid tier hopefully it literally costs like pennies a day but a paid tier where you get uh premiere uh type features you know uh you get expert updates what i really would also hope that would become more demo demo um democratic where like developers could allow us quote unquote paying people to vote on what you should work on next thus giving us what we want more directly um it could go good it could go really bad um no matter what i know this scummy people will go out of their way to try to take advantage of it one way or another we have to then as users and as developers do our due diligence to try not to fall into that trap and uh you know keep your wits about you
1: well there was an interesting question that came my way a little while ago asking me that it did turn into monetary issue um would you be willing to pay for the application well the short answer is yes because when the day is done you know, for things like I use Audacity, I absolutely will. And I have I've thrown money to these uh different applications over the years. You know, um, let's face it, I've also bought the Van Halen first first Van Halen album five different times in very different formats. But um, this might actually be a a real thing, I think, because I mean, uh, you can see on the horizon that. You know, if we were able to turn Red Hat into a viable billion-dollar company, uh, and again, Seuss has been doing this at for quite some time, too, so they're no strangers to the game. And I've always been curious what their bottom line looks like. Um, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised if we are nearing the end here in terms of uh, uh, an absolutely free distro.
0: Well, it, what I hope would happen is... I don't want to say like the red hat model because it isn't. Yeah. Dare I say almost like a Debian type model where if you want the latest, if you want the greatest, if you want the, you know, uh, hand curated uh, type of content, if you want that intimate connection with the developer, you'll pay. But, you know, and I can afford it without sounding dumb. I got no problem paying somebody for that. I'm a man. I'm a grown man. I'm nearly old. Like you, senior citizen, if I can't afford to pay for something like this, then I'm doing something completely wrong. But I keep thinking about, you know, what, what about that 16 year old kid? I don't know if he can afford it. So what I really hope happens is that, yes, you will be able to get it for free. Maybe, you know, you're like one feature release behind, or maybe You know, your updates are a week behind or something, but I really hope the free aspect of it will always be there for people who need it is what I'm going to say, but allow people, dare I say, who can afford it to just shut their frigging Mm. mouth and just give them some money because the amount of work that goes into these projects has gotten really insane. I mean, if you go back and look at Mozilla, um, on my Plex server, I have a Mozilla, documentary. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's basically about the very first time that they released all their code open and free. If you just take a look at the surroundings and settings versus today, um, everything has changed. Everything has changed. We are so much richer. It is like a different world. And if we as users, 30 and older is what I'm going to say, if we cannot afford to give these people money, we are doing something wrong. And I'll say it again. If you live anywhere from Tibet to Towson, Maryland, and you don't have enough money to afford this, these kind of things, don't hesitate to call me. Don't hesitate to contact me. I'll definitely help you quote unquote, better yourself, find a better job and be able to afford, you know, instead of the $6, a six pack beer, maybe the $8, a six pack beer.
1: Well, I'm hoping that one of the bottles that does stay is something i can see something like red hat is still paid they keep centos around because or centos slash fedora around because you do need uh live testers and this is probably one of the cheapest easiest ways to get it done
0: yes absolutely and you allow people then to see because here's the real truth everyone knows everyone everyone with any credibility knows open Technology will always be more secure than closed technology, so it's also safer to run. Um, the name of that documentary is called Code Rush uh, Two Thousand. Looks like when it, it was released. If you want to watch it, uh, all you got to do is go to Plex, create a free account, shoot me your email address, and I can shoot you a link to my library to where you can watch everything from Die Hard and Dark Crystal uh, and and uh, Code Rush a christmas story in the
1: burbs oh well for the record i understand that die hard is not a christmas story
0: well you know that's one of those arguments where there is no winning you know we all equally lose when we argue <laughs> about that but n- never forget hans gruber uh is epic.
1: absolutely uh what was that uh uh rickman R- richman uh i'm forgetting his name
0: yeah um I want to say Anthony Rickman, but that's not right. It can just an A, Snape from uh, Harry Potter. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, all my, all the uh, let know my film, uh, film background are gonna go. Ah, you fraud! You've forgotten Alan Rickman. Thank you. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Yeah, and 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 here's the thing. We, you know, be be huh, between me and Bruce, we're about a hundred years old. We've seen a lot of stuff. Okay. The only constant is change when it comes to Linux and anyone who's trying to forcibly stop Linux from changing, you will lose. You will lose in a glorious hellfire. It's going to change. The only question is, are you going to try to push it towards a more positive change or are you going to have companies in corporate greed and lust take over the backbone of Linux? i honestly believe that linux is still in a good place i honestly still believe that there are enough good people out there pushing it in the right direction that in five to ten years from now the linux ecosystem will be even better and more rich
1: well that speaks to the article we saw a couple weeks back where um they had actually presented torvalds with that question you know the future of linux and if anything uh He's saying that actually the reverse is actually kind of true in that you're looking at Microsoft relying more on Linux to do their stuff today than ever before. So it might be one of those sneaky things where Linux wins the day. So I don't know. We'll see. All I know is that 2020 will be the year of the desktop.
0: Yeah, I I hate to say this, Bruce. I firmly believe. And I did say this like three years ago on a show. Um the day of the Microsoft kernel is going to go away. It might not be until like 2023 or 2025, but I think there will be a day when there is no more Microsoft kernel and they literally just use Linux kernel. And what I fear, the only thing I fear for is GNU. I fear for GNOME KDE. I fear for all the tool sets sitting on top of Linux kernel, because if Microsoft adopts the Linux kernel, and they release some of their tools on top of the kernel in a more open format, um, the, the adoption rate of that is going to be like breakneck speed.
1: Oh, absolutely. Actually, another, uh, I think, a dark cloud on the horizon actually probably exists for the folks over at the Free Software Foundation. Uh, not to get too far off topic there, but uh, I just don't see how they carry forward uh, in another 20 years.
0: I agree. Um, hopefully they will be responsive is the way I'm going to put it. And, um, because here's the thing we need people to quote unquote, and I don't want to say fight the good fight. Cause that's not it. We need people to be on the extremities. Okay. We need people to fight for everybody's freedom. Um, the one thing I think that a lot of people don't Get is the different licenses like the MIT Apache, um, um the, um, uh, G- GPL exist because each one of those licenses favor somebody else in this ecosystem of computing. Sometimes it benefits the user. Sometimes it benefits the distributor. Sometimes it benefits the original creator. Sometimes it benefits a company behind it. There is no perfect license because it depends on who you want to benefit from this license. Um, the SF, the F S F has to understand that people's freedoms should be upfront and in people's faces. And it, there is no winning that fight, you cannot win the fight. There will always be more freedoms that you can go after. And as long as they do it without being politically charged in other arenas, you know, especially like, you know, rape, uh, then I think they have a good chance of being successful. But as long as they elect mental invalids into their ecosystem, uh, they're not going to have fun time. And I will say this, I know now personally, at least four people who worked in those offices of the FSF, And they have more than enough invalids to go around. It's almost like a government building, is what I'm going to say.
1: Well, and the worst part about it is that when the day is done, what does the general public want? They want convenience, sometimes at the risk of personal safety and security. So I guess the dead Kennedys had it right. Give me convenience. Damn right.
0: Um, That's why all these social media platforms are successful, because they're just convenient. And they give people a sense of accomplishment um, (laughs) just for posting a stupid
1: picture. Uh, You know, and it's fun. I'll make this one last statement and call it from there. You know, I think it's, it's what makes a protester think they've done something for the day they really haven't done anything except stand outside and make a nuisance of themselves when really what they should have been doing was going to their congressman's door and saying you know what's not going to happen next next time around you getting into office that will get some movement but you know that's that's too much work
0: yeah i mean uh we have uh protest in chile riots in lebanon uh 18 plus weeks of uh crowds in hong kong uh farmers in the netherlands all like you know quote unquote fighting for their rights um we here in america uh just sit back in our you know two thousand dollar chair eating our pizza getting fatter just pointing at the screen, armchairing, quarterbacking kind of thing from a distance saying that we know what's right. Um, I'm going to paraphrase uh, a um, um, e-economist, Nobel Prize winning uh, e-economist from the 60s, which is you have to make it politically profitable for the wrong people to make the right decisions. Uh, You have to make politicians make the right choice, even when it goes against all of their beliefs because you have to make it politically profitable for them to do so and that's not an easy thing to do um same thing in these ecosystems of software infrastructure uh or in places of business um you know the word open source used to be almost like a cuss word at work um it's changed it's taken 20 plus years but it's changed and it took a bunch of geeks and a bunch of nerds and a bunch of basically people to go rogue and just install things because they knew it was the right thing to do to slowly change people's minds um the only constant is change i'm gonna say it again we always have to slowly push towards the kind of change that
1: we like to happen well i couldn't have said that any better than myself i can't <laughs> um all right. Well, I think uh, we've hit about just about every topic that we've set out to do today. Um, should we begin to wrap things up here?
0: Sounds good to me, Bruce. Uh, first off, I want to thank you for coming out. Uh, I want to remind everyone again, do not hesitate. Podcast at Linux com. Or if you want to just go to podcast Click on the contact us link is another easy way to get with us. Uh, if you do send me in a message on a social platform and I don't respond in literally minutes, then I'm not on that social platform. Uh, better luck next time. Uh, or you could just send us a voicemail at seven Oh seven, six pod nuts using this old thing called a telephone. Uh, then you can send us a voicemail, which I will happily play. And I'll thank everyone again. Uh, for all their emails, uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tony. Uh, and thank you, Honky Magoo. Um, you guys are awesome. Uh, Bruce, is there any uh, party? No, nope,
1: not at all. It was, a, I think, if anything, we've stated our case, and that's we're sticking with it.
0: Very cool. I'll ask you, uh, how is your uh, sports ball or your sports activities going this year? You know, year? by sheer
1: dumb luck in all my fantasy leagues, if I'm not in first place, I'm in seconds. So, oh, uh, surprisingly good for sports I could almost care less about. But it'll be interesting to see Baltimore, New England this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm going over my father-in-law's house tomorrow. Um, I'll pay at least a little bit of attention to it. Um, I really don't. Pay attention to, uh, as uh, Adam Sandler's um, movie calls it, Fool's Ball. But I will say, as much as I despise Tom Brady, as much as I would love to punch him right in his Adam's apple, uh, watching him on the field, uh, you know, the
1: guy has some skills. Just a bit. We'll see what happens, you know. But seeing I'm a Raider fan, I've got nothing but sadness in my life, so I'll just show myself out. You have bitterness. <laughs> and yet it's funny. Somebody had a picture of John Gruden and uh, Bruce Allen standing together and said between the two millionaires, not one of them could afford a good haircut. Damn. Uh, they kind of correct. right there.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I want to thank you for coming out, Bruce. I want to thank everyone for the emails again. I do plan on streaming this uh, show live when me and Bruce do it in the future. Um, So I believe if you go to youtube.com slash Linux for the rest of us and subscribe, you will get notifications. If you want to partake, I'll say in the live chat, um, I have a hard enough time just listening and talking at the same time. So if you do come out to that chat and I do not respond, do not be shocked. Um, unless I'm medicated, uh, concentration is not easy. Um, hopefully the show will get published out really soon and we will talk to everyone again in about a week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't forget. If you do not have root, you really do not know who does. Take it easy, everybody.